The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. We're going straight into that lead story because the acting public protector, Koleka Kaleka, is uh, right now delivering uh, her findings on various reports. The big focus, of course, is on the Pala Pala farm scandal. That's the key one that we are anticipating. We know that uh, questions were put to the president, Sir Ramaphosa, by the suspended public protector, Wasisiwe Mkwebane, all of this over an alleged cover-up at the president's Pala Pala farm in February 2020. All of this, of course, to do with the cash in the couch and all of that. So at the moment, what is happening is the acting public protector has started off with a report about the president and the justice minister, Ronald Lamola, violating the constitution regarding the appointment of Judge Dunstan Mlambo to act in the constitutional court. One of the complainants there was the EFF deputy leader, Floyd Shavambo. Let's speak to Tiri Madia, EWN's Associate Politics Editor. Tiri, good afternoon to you. What are the expectations there at that press conference today? Good afternoon, Mandy. As you said, the briefing has just started. I think most of us are waiting to hear her take on the Palapala uh, farm saga. As you know, we've seen a preliminary report in the past where we understand that the public protector, acting public protector, absorbs President Silva Maposa. But we're hoping really to engage her on how she came to that particular finding. What is it that they left out? There's been an argument around jurisdiction, Mandy. We wanted to help us understand, as for the legal prescripts, what were the frames, the boundaries that she reached this conclusion in? We do know that she found the police damning. We want to know if that is also being upheld in the final report, of course. And again, how did she get there where she found Major General Wally Water uh, wanting and having done improper conduct in his investigation, how he went about it. So we're waiting for the final details of what we've seen in the preliminary report that was leaked, and we're hoping to get some more answers as to how she reached particular conclusions. Tilly, do we know if the the final report, how different it may be to the preliminary report, and, and how much of this is actually Kaleka, and how much of it is Busisiwe Mkwebane? Mandy, from what I understand, we're going to see a report that's quite consistent with what we've seen before. I don't expect a lot of changes. I did ask actually earlier on whether or not there have been changes from those who were um, engaged with before because she did give them an opportunity to make submissions and changes. And she did say one or two have made submissions, including Wally Roy, of course, rebutting what we've seen in the preliminary report. But whether or not she is to be believed, I think we'll find out when she speaks to us. In terms of how much of it was the, uh, from a, the suspended public protector, how much of it was hers, is something that we will put to the public protector when she takes questions this afternoon. Tiri, thank you very much. Tiri Madia, EWN Associate Politics Editor, speaking to us there. She's at that press conference, the acting public protector, Koleka Kaleka, busy releasing those various reports. She's not at Palapala yet, uh, but when she starts with Palapala, we will take you live there so you can listen in. All the other reports, of course, also crucial. The one at the moment that she is speaking about, as I mentioned, uh, has to do with uh, the complaint laid by the EFF to do with Judge Dunstan Mlambo. That's what the acting public protector is dealing with. What, what are your expectations? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, do you think that she'll clear the president as we saw in that preliminary report? Send me a WhatsApp voice note. Let me know what you think. The Midday Report. 
So while the acting public protector is delivering a report which may well be crucial to the political career of President Cyril Ramaphosa, or perhaps not at all, the president today is expected in KwaZulu-Natal. He is uh, due to uh, visit KZN at an Mbizo in Ladysmith in the Utukela district, uh, where he's going to interact with residents. It's the seventh installment of the presidential Mbizo, and uh, he'll speak about the district development model and how it has progressed and all of that. And Frank Lamabasso, EWN reporter, is following that for us. And Frank good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. The president hasn't actually arrived yet. So where exactly is he going and, and what kind of reception is he likely to receive? Well, good afternoon, Mandy. He's here in latest meetings expected to arrive at the opening with the spot. According to the program, the program is set to start at 9 a.m. this morning, but as it says, the program has started as we could hear the music in the background. People are still making inside the venue and they're waiting for President Cyril Ramaphosa to come and address this particular individual. I'll take you back to this community, Mandy. This is one of the communities that still battles with water challenges. That, I mean, in, 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 with, with almost 30 years into South Africa's democracy. This is some of the communities that are still, you know, really in this province experiencing water challenges, water difficulties. You'd recall maybe that uh, about years ago, people in this community met at a place where they thought they'd discovered a mineral that it was said to be a diamond at the time, only to discover that it was not. But there are no maybe things, thousands of people gathered in that mountain trying to dig, speak about the high volumes of unemployment in this community alone. And I remember back in 2017, there was a project actually established uh, to, you know, give water in this community. But till this day, many that has not been forthcoming. that the president will be investing for 250 million towards these three projects uh, that the launched in we're going to leave it there, unfortunately. Not a great line, but I think we could get a sense from Infanta what he was saying there. Infanta Mabaso, EWN reporter, apologies for that, that poor line. He is uh, in the area around Ladysmith in the Utukela district. And as Infanta was describing there, this is an area that has really had a, a problem with water. Uh, that water crisis, it's been exacerbated. There have been droughts. There's been vandalism of water infrastructure as well. And remember that diamond story, incredible story where people rushed to the area thinking that diamonds had been found. It was a diamond rush. So the president uh, is going to uh, to be in that area today. He's going to get questions from residents, all of this part of uh, his uh, Mbizo, the presidential Mbizo, where he goes around to communities. I'm sure he'll be watching what is happening with the Palapala report, what is happening in Pretoria with the acting public protector. So one eye in Ladysmith, one eye, no doubt, in Pretoria. The Midday Report. First, let's talk about uh, what is happening at Nazareth because the ANC Youth League is holding its first elective conference in almost a decade. There have been some issues uh, already around uh, registrations. Uh, it is due to elect fresh leadership uh, during this weekend. There have been several disputes around Tsuani, around Sebing, around Vembe as well. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, is there for us. Uh, Alpha, good afternoon to you. What are we expecting ahead of this, this conference? What are the, some of the key issues that I have already been bubbling. Afternoon, Mandy. Well, you are right. This is the first uh, experience of the ANC Youth League in the last eight years. You would know that it hasn't convened a conference since the year of 2015. So today they are actually expected to go over the discussion documents for this conference, which focuses on some of uh, 
the issues such as uh, uh, attacking or addressing the cost of living in the country. They are also looking to address uh, the decentralized economic growth in, uh, in, in the country and education and training of the future is also some of the key points on their discussion documents. However, Mandy, likewise, you know, this conference did start or kickstart uh, with some sort of a delay. It is understood at the moment that the delay is caused by the audits uh, and soon as those audits are completed, then the delegates should head over to uh, the plenary and start with business of the day. At the moment, it is also known that the Eastern Cape branches or the Eastern Cape delegates have not registered yet and we are still waiting for them to register and everything will kickstart from there forward. We are expecting uh, fresh leadership to be elected. Who is in the running? What are you watching? Well, at the moment, Apiwe Mkangelwa, who hails from the Eastern Cape, uh, is running for presidency. He's going to be contesting uh, uh, Colin Malachi, who's previously served as the president of COSAS and has also served uh, in the structures of SASCO. Malachi is also a member of parliament and is in the Human Settlements Committee. And Malachi has been publicly endorsed by uh, Second Deputy Secretary General Marupene Ramokhoba, which at it, it, it may give him a little bit of leverage that he's being endorsed publicly by someone who holds a top structure in the ANC Youth League. So uh, those are the two people who are running for presidency. Colin has shown interest in running for this position uh, since the year of 2018, and it does seem like he does have the upper hand on this one. On the other side, Apiwe, who's from the Eastern Cape, had to sit down with a colleague of his um, by the name of Zuko Kotlimbi, who just recently announced that he's no longer going to be running uh, because he also hails from the Eastern Cape. So he decided that he will support Apiwe uh, for presidency. So uh, at the moment, it's uh, Apiwe and uh, Colin Malachi who are running for presidency. Alpha, thank you very much. Uh, Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, speaking to us there. The ANC Youth League holding its first electoral conference in a decade. They are choosing new leadership, also some policy policy issues that are going to be discussed there as well. Issues around registration already. Uh, I wonder if that's going to, to flow, if it's going to actually happen this weekend or if there will be disruptions there as well. The Midday Report. I want to tell you about a big development that I think, of course, is crucial around whistleblower protection in the country. We've been waiting quite a long time for the Justice Minister, Ronald Lamola, uh, to um, release the legislation, the draft legislation for public comment. This happened yesterday. This draft legislation was released for public comment, which means that you can go now comment on whether or not you think this is is a good suggestion. Uh, remember, the president went to the Zondo Commission. He spoke about whistleblower. Zondo made recommendations as well. So now finally, we are seeing uh, this uh, draft legislation being released. Crispin Peary is the spokesperson for the Ministry of Justice. Crispin, good afternoon to you. Thank you for, for your time. Uh, it did take a long time for this to uh, to be released, but I understand that was because there was a lot being done in terms of global best practice and research being done around what this legislation should look like. Indeed, Mandy, uh, this is a work that has um, drawn from a number of jurisdictions. We're looking at at least 10 countries, five African countries and five countries um, within the global West. And we've really then gone as far as reviewing some of those uh, whistleblower systems with a view to really check what is best practice around some of the principles. For instance, whether whistleblowers should be given an incentive um, you know, whether that would be feasible or how it works in other countries and the likes. And we have now come up with this piece of legislation or this, this proposal, rather, 
um, which really looks at a raft of recommendations. But top of mind are two important ones. Uh, providing a fund for whistle for whistleblowers, where if they do get retaliated upon, they'll be able to at least receive some sort of reprieve from this fund, but also providing legal assistance and psychological assistance, where they would then go up against their previous employer, um, they would then be able to draw on this uh, resource that is provided for by the state and hope the private sector moving forward. You've looked at global best practice, as you say, the various countries. Would you say that this draft legislation emulates one particular country's framework or have you taken bits of, of different countries' frameworks and, and, and tried to work them into what you think would best work here? Mandy, it's not yet draft legislation. It's uh, it, At this point, it's uh, we can call it loosely like a white paper or proposal to what the legislation okay. should contain. Uh, so we're not yet at the point of legislation, but I think following this process, we will then be able to formulate legislation a lot more quicker than we would ordinarily go about it. And yes, we have drawn from a number of uh, countries, so it's difficult to say that we rely solely on this particular jurisdiction. Uh, for instance, some of the practices that we've drawn from come from Kenya, others come from Canada, the UK, Ghana, even Uganda. Um, so it's really a mixture of a number of jurisdictions that we have drawn from, and it would be difficult to say that we rely exclusively on one particular jurisdiction, although we did look at quite extensively, for instance, at the Canadian model as something that we believe could be closer to what we could achieve. And in terms of the Witness Protection Act, you are looking at that as well in terms of, of not just whistleblowers, but witness protection as well. Yes, we are looking at witness protection as well, because one of the things that we have taken to heart is uh, the number of complaints that we have received from people who are under whistleblower, under under witness protection, the fact that they are completely extracted from their families and the likes. And so we're really looking closely at that to see what are the reforms that we can implement that would make it less cumbersome for people to enter into the witness protection program. Crispin, thank you very much. Crispin Peary is the spokesperson for the Ministry of Justice explaining to us about this uh, this document that has now been released. Cynthia Stimple is the director of the Whistleblower House, a whistleblower herself uh, who blew the whistle around SAA, joining us now to give us some reaction. Cynthia, good afternoon to you. This is a, a big step. We've been waiting for it for a long time. How important is this uh, that we now have movement? Thank you, Mandy, for having me. Yes, I think it's very important. It's really imperative in that we do have whistleblower legislation that truly and holistically protects whistleblowers. The step taken now by Department of Justice to formulize some sort of process that, and research that they've done, which is very wide, I must say, by going to countries um, globally as well as on the African contact, uh, continent, that for me is impressive and well done to them. Um, however, obviously, we need to, this is not yet legislation, so we need to see um, the, the pathway forward. Yeah, as, as Crispin was explaining there, it's not draft legislation, it's more of a discussion document that we're seeing at this point. So I imagine this is an opportunity now for the whistleblower house, for other whistleblowers also, to, to really get involved and, and offer some, some commentary on what should happen. Indeed, Mandy. Um, so we will be commenting. We're currently reading the document, and we definitely will be commenting and making recommendations. We've also passed it on to interested parties like other legal firms we've partnered with and various civil societies that we're um, collaborating with so that 
it can be far and wide that everyone does have an opportunity to comment and to give their views on it. Cynthia, thank you very much. That's Cynthia Stimple, the director of the Whistleblower House there, reacting to this document that has now been released. Uh, it is out for public comment, so you too can go and comment on this until the 15th of August. The Midday Report. Right, let's go back to Paris. We had some trouble with the line to Natalie Malkas, who's a journalist based in France, discussing the riots there. Uh, hopefully we can get through to Natalie. Now, Natalie, are you with us? Can you hear us? I'm here. Can you hear me, Mandy? Perfect. Thank you. So I had asked you what the mood was like in, in Paris at the moment following three days of protests there. Uh, how does it feel and what's been happening? So it is still pretty tense uh, for most of the day. Things are quite calm with only a handful of police officers doing the usual patrols, especially around the tourist hotspots in France. But it's when night falls that those specialized units come out because that's when the demonstrations have really picked up. Initially, these uh, protests were centered around Nanterre, where the uh, incident happened on Tuesday morning and some of the surrounding neighborhoods. But it's since spread out to other towns across France, Marseille, Bordeaux, uh, Toulouse, which is why around 40,000 extra police officers have been deployed, including those tactical response teams to deal specifically with the riots and really get a handle on things. The public transport system that usually runs really smoothly has been interrupted. Several trams, uh, trains and buses have um, been uh, halted. Some of those routes are completely out and will uh, come back online during the course of the day after each of those routes have been assessed for their safety. Um, Some buses were also torched. In fact, what many of the demonstrators do is uh, set uh, really anything alight overnight for the last uh, three nights now. Many of us have woken up to the sounds of fireworks going off uh, in the street. Uh, the rioters have set uh, bins alight. Uh, there's been burning debris uh, just about everywhere. Buses were torched. Uh, in fact, mm. we heard from Emmanuel Macron earlier today as well that um much of this violence has been targeting institutions like schools, police offices, police stations uh, and government buildings. The catalyst for this was the shooting of Nahal M, a 17-year-old boy of Algerian and Moroccan descent. But it it really is a catalyst because it's a much broader issue. Um, There are are, are many grievances, long-running grievances about policing and racial profiling in France. That's right. In fact, what many of these demonstrators are saying, this is one incident of a long running issue that we've been trying to bring to government's attention that's just been ignored and swept under the rug. So we're now at a point where, um, you actually can't ignore us. Uh, many of the discussions that has uh, been had, there have been two emergency cabinet meetings um, to discuss whether a state of emergency should be called, whether uh, there are other measures that can be uh, roped in to get a handle on things. We've even seen UN reports urging the French government to address the issue of systemic racism um, and police violence. Many of these protesters say this is a situation that was completely unjustified. The police officer we've seen in videos shooting at the 17-year-old driver uh, at point-blank range. Yes, he was 17 and too young to have a driver's permit. And there are reports that he has similar infringements, having uh, done this before, not stopping at Mm. uh, police um, stops, driving when he shouldn't be. Um, But none of that justifies what happened to him um, without warning a trigger-happy police officer that 
these protesters are saying uh, targeted him because he was a young black man. His mother has also mm. called uh, for peace and for justice, swift justice. These are sentiments echoed by some famous French people. We've heard um, Kylian Mbappe, the football captain, um, also lending his support to the family, asking for right. swift justice. In some of his initial um, comments, even President Macron has said that there should be an ethical framework in which the police operate, which mm. hints at um, what many of these protesters are asking for. Let's reevaluate this um, breakdown in trust. Uh, but going forward, it does seem as if that will be the chief uh, topic on the agenda, how to rebuild the trust between the public and the police. Natalie, thank you so much. Uh, Natalie Malka speaking to us today, a reporter based uh, in France, reflecting on what's been happening there with the protests over the past few days. The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.